Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Our study tonight is the Holy Spirit and His gifts. I believe this is Lesson 6. And before I get into it, let me just state that we're going to be meeting in pr for prayer in here in the sanctuary about 6.10, 6.15, somewhere around there, and pray until about quarter till, 10 till, and, and then uh, we'll have our service. Uh, we kind of doing things a little bit differently. Well, I have this series going, and then after that, possibly get back into a time of just ministering to the Lord in prayer and praise together. And so we'll just, just keep on board. Just We'll let you know what's going on. Amen. And, uh, but next week, for the next several weeks, as I get through this series, we're going to be doing that. Anybody need a copy of the notes? We have them for you here. Anybody want a copy of our notes tonight? One over here, right here in the front. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word. And we know that it's spiritually discerned, not just intellectually learned. So we invite your Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds that are open to it. And most importantly, Father, change us by what we hear from glory to glory, that we might conform to the image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended each and every one of us. That we might shine as lights in a world of darkness and hold forth the word of life to this generation that you've called us to reach with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as a pen of a ready writer to proclaim truth with power and demonstration that penetrates our very souls. And for it all, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick review. We're talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we said that those gifts can be divided into three groups of three. We talked about the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Uh, we didn't talk about the power gifts yet, special faith, gifts of healing and working in miracles. That's coming up. But last week we started the vocal gifts or the inspirational gifts and prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues are those gifts. So tonight we are going to talk about, since we, last week talked about prophecy, talk about the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. Diverse kinds of tongues. And whenever you address this subject, usually there's all kinds of controversy when you address the subject of tongues. Well, I believe in the Bible we have some doctrine revealed to us. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have my doctrine come from God's word and not from someone's experience or some religious tradition. What about you? So when it comes to understanding this subject, let's look at what the word of God really teaches on the subject. So we can have a better understanding of this gift called diverse kinds of tongues. Not just tongues, but diverse kinds of tongues. In Acts chapter 19, uh, we see something revealed to us here by the Apostle Paul. Um, you know what? Before I even do that, when we talk about doctrine, 
when you go to Acts chapter 2, what you discover is when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, that was the Jewish camp. When you go to Acts chapter 8, what you discover is the people of Samaria. How many of you know the Jews and the Samaritans, the, uh, Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along? Mm-hmm. They didn't. But then we, now we see the camp there this, among the Samaritans getting the same Holy Ghost. But then you go to Acts chapter 10, you've got the Gentiles. The Gentiles, we see that take place and it's unveiled to us. And then in Acts chapter 19, we see some people that Paul thought were believers, but they really weren't believers in Christ. They were only baptized in John's baptism. And what do we see happening there? Because they had willing hearts to come to Christ, they too were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now, what we see as a pattern here, as a doctrine here, establishing truth is what? The Jews got filled with the Spirit spoken tongues. The Samaritans got filled with the Spirit spoken tongues. We see the uh, Gentiles in Acts 10 getting filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And now we see anyone that's willing to believe is filled with the Spirit and they speak with other tongues. Now that's pretty clear, wouldn't you say? And who initiated all this? God did, not man. So as we continue in Acts chapter 19, let's begin at verse 1. In our study, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you, notice this question, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe, or the Holy Ghost? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Wow. But just for a moment, back it up. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Not did God give you the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, it'd be like saying this. Have, did God give you Christ? He gave us Christ. It's have you received Christ is the question. Not did God give us Christ. He gave us Christ. Have we received Christ? He sent the Holy Ghost. Have we received the Holy Ghost? See, that's on us. And he said to them, under them, what were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, right there. Are they saved? Right then they are. Right? They were baptized in the name of Jesus. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. Okay. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men uh, were about 12. Now, this is 20 years after the resurrection. And we see the Apostle Paul still emphasizing the fact that there is a need for people that are saved to receive the Holy Spirit. And what you have, as far as doctrinally, is, doctrine is concerned today in many, many circles, well, once you've been saved, you've got all the Holy Ghost. There is. But that's not true. If it were true, then why would Paul ask the question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? It's a separate experience subsequent to salvation. And so once a person is saved, it's important that they receive the Holy Spirit and receive power from on high. As a matter of fact, on the day of Pentecost, they received power from on high. They didn't get saved on the day of Pentecost. They were already saved. The 120 were already saved. When Jesus breathed on his disciples and they 
he was already resurrected from the dead and they received forgiveness of sins. They were saved. But on the day of Pentecost, they got power from on high. Isn't that wonderful to know? Well, the initial sign of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues. Now, let's, let's bear that out in Scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to dance. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to shout. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to run. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and fell asleep. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They had no clue what to expect when it came to being filled with the Holy Ghost. They were just there waiting in obedience to what Jesus told them to do, right? So who initiated all this? Not a hard question. Not a trick question. Who initiated this? God. And when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they do? They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, now let's look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. Peter is in the house of a centurion named Cornelius, the centurion of the Italian band. So that represents the Gentile people. And there he begins to preach the gospel. Remember, he's not even allowed to be there in his own mind because he is a Jew and he's, that's a Gentile. He's not supposed to be in his house. But he was sent by God. So he goes there and he begins to preach the gospel. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believe were expecting this. Were they expecting it? What were they? Astonished. Why? As many as came with Peter. Well, why were they astonished? Because then on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know it was the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? This is the only place where we see a reversal of it. They got baptized after they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You see that? Then they got baptized in water. And why? Because the Jews didn't believe you could, a Gentile could get saved. Can you see that? See, we don't live in that time. They didn't think they could get saved. Certainly they couldn't get filled like they were because they're the Jewish people. So Peter goes down there, and I'm sure he picked Peter out for a reason. Peter goes back to the camp and he just said, don't look at me. Are you kidding me? Who was I to withstand God? Isn't that what he said? I'm just preaching the gospel, minding my own business. When the Holy Ghost fell on them, and when he fell on them, they spoke with other tongues, got filled like, like we did on the day of Pentecost. So who was I to argue with God? And they said, oh, the truth. The truth. Now God has poured out upon the Gentiles the same gift that we have. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly what happened. Look at the next one. In Acts chapter 19, we just read this, but just read the one verse. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and even prophesied. So we see here, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they do? Spoke with other tongues. 
So it sounds like to me it's pretty sound doctrine to say that if you and when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, what will you do? Speak with other tongues. All right. When it comes to diverse kinds of tongues, there's a reason that he said diverse. Because there are different kinds of tongues and different manifestations of tongues, which we need to get to to clarify so people could have a better understanding of Paul when he was teaching order in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But first of all, let's talk about what tongues is not. It's not of the devil, number one. Luke, Luke 11. It's not of the devil. You know, there are conferences that take place around the world, Christian gatherings, and they mock people that speak in tongues. And they laugh at people that speak in tongues. And some go to the point of even saying that this is all demonic manifestations. Luke 11. Let's read it. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? No. If he asks a fish, will he give a, for a fish, give him a serpent? No. If he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Why is he using such language? A stone? A scorpion? Hmm. A serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If he's your heavenly Father, then why would you, and you had all the Holy Ghost there is, why would you have to ask him? Because it's a separate experience. Are you saved? Yes. Are you a child of God? Yes. Have you been completely filled with the Holy Ghost? Not until you ask him. He's polite. He won't intrude. You've got to ask for him. I'm asking for you to fill me with your spirit. That's why Jesus said, don't be concerned about politics and national prominence. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. You're already saved now, but you need power. You need the power from on high. Dunamis, miracle working power, dynamic power from on high. And that's why he said to wait until they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, People that talk like that, that say, well, it's of the devil. You know, these Pentecostals, these charismatics, they don't realize that it's of the devil. I would be very, very mindful not to say anything like that. Because blaspheming the Holy Spirit is not something anyone should want to do. You speak against the work of the Holy Spirit, God takes that extremely serious. Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, I like to say it this way, 24 years of my life, I, you know I played guitar and I played in uh, nightclubs, I played in bar mitzvahs and wedding receptions and, and a band and all that stuff. I've dodged beer bottles and I've watched drug uh, deals take place in front of me with the gun on the, on the table. Um, I was young, you know, it was like 18, 19, 20 years old during that time of my life. So I'm in this place, all these places. I wasn't saved. I never once spoke in tongues. You would think if there was any place you're going to speak in tongues right there among all that that's going on. Never. I got saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, baptized in filthy water. I mean, I'm telling you, I had it all. 
I then went to a church that was a full gospel Pentecostal church and I had a hunger in my heart for God. I then finally at the end of the service, went up, end of the sermon, and they asked anybody who wants anything. And I said, yeah, that's me. So I just moved right on up to the altar, got on my knees and the fellow says, what do you want? I, I said, I want more of God. What do you mean you want more of God? I want all of God that there is. Well, are you filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues? Nope. Then that's what you want. I said, I do. That's what you want. Okay. I thank God for the innocence of that stage in my life. I'm on my knees there. And these three Pentecostals come up to me and put their hands on my shoulders. I knew they just wanted to get home and get a sandwich. Because you see, it took me four. I was a hard, hard one. 45 minutes. Not my fault. I'm going to tell you. It was their fault. They're laying their hands on me. They're praying as fast as they can in other tongues. And just praying and praying and praying in other tongues. And I'm like, my mouth wide open, kneeling there. That's all I can do. My tongue's on fire. They don't know it. I just know it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost to say something. I gave him my mouth. It was open. Nothing was coming out. And so finally one of them said, they should have done this 40 four minutes earlier and said do you feel anything I said my tongue is on fire it literally was it was just like burning he said well then speak <laughs> why didn't you say that 44 minutes ago and I just started speaking out in other tongues see we have to instruct people too you know uh, initially it was all God, but then after that we, we instruct people how to get saved, don't we? We can instruct people how to receive the Holy Ghost in, as well. So then I started speaking out with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance, and I've been doing it for the, since 1976, all those years. And I thank God for it. And then one day I found out that not everybody in the body of Christ believes that. So. But my point was, it's not of the devil. It's of God. God initiated it, and we're living in the same dispensation, the church age, the age of grace right now, as when that took place on the day of Pentecost. It's not changed. Number two, it's not linguistic ability. I love this. When people try to explain away intellectually supernatural things, spiritual things. Well, all that means is that you're going to be able to in other learn a language so that when you go over to another place, like go to, go to Greece and you can speak the Greek language or go to Israel, you can speak the Hebrew language and go wherever. Go to Spain and speak Spanish. And just, look at 1 Corinthians, if you wouldn't mind. Chapter 14, verse 2. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. No man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit, in the Spirit, has nothing to do with linguistics. He speaks mysteries. You're speaking in a language that God understands. Look at verse 14 of the same chapter. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful and unproductive. So what's happening? You're saying some things that's coming out of your spirit, not your head, not that you've learned. It's not linguistic ability. It's not learning foreign languages. Okay, thing number three, it's not something that has ceased. And oh, when I first got spirit filled and I started going to other places and hearing all these things, I'm so glad God got me when I was pure. I'm so glad he got a hold of me when I, I was not pro programmed the wrong way. 
Because then I have to be deprogrammed and then reprogrammed again. Okay? So, I thank God that I, I learned the truth, and then when I was challenged with it, I learned how to respond. See, it's not something, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's not something that ceased. That was their big argument. If there's tongues, they shall cease. Well, let's read that in context. Charity never fails. But whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. And they stop right there and they say, see, it ceased. It's done. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we, now, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even all, as also I am known. And they would say, see, Paul said, tongues shall cease when what is perfect has come. And the Bible is perfect. The, perfect. the Bible is here. And so now we don't need tongues anymore. Really? Well, it also says that knowledge shall vanish away when that which is perfect has come. Has knowledge vanished away yet? I don't think so. Well, apparently he's not talking about the Bible. I believe when everything is perfect is when we get Jesus here. And he makes everything new. We'll know as we are known. All that's removed from our eyes. But until then, tongues have not ceased. And they're still available when a person receives the Holy Ghost. Look at the next one. It's not, this one just really tickles me. This one pastor told me when I asked him. He didn't know that I was just, he didn't know my motive. Let's put it that way. He's the one that told me, if you're not baptized in water, you're not born again. I thought, okay, let's go down that path. He's the one that got me baptized in that mm, slimy water. Okay. Wearing hip boots while I had nothing on but a pair of bathing suit. Froze and slime all over me. Never forget that experience. But anyhow, I said, by the way, pastor, this where Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 18, they shall speak with new tongues. What did he mean by that? See the verse? They shall take up serpents. If they drink anything, it won't hurt them. They shall, not, they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Verse 17, I guess, is the one that says, they shall speak with new tongues. Right? Okay. Well, he said, that means you won't cuss anymore. I said, what? It means you won't cuss anymore. So when Jesus said, you'll speak with new tongues, you're saying to me that he meant you won't cuss anymore? Absolutely. Sometimes I wonder at the beginning why called, God called me out of a mill crane when all these people are in seminary and he calls me to go teach people faith. I'm like, all these people are in seminary. I want a mill crane. You want me to go teach something? How many know that God's not looking for intellectualism? He's looking for people that believe his word. And they won't explain it away intellectually. If Jesus said you'll speak in new tongues, then you'll speak in new tongues. And it's not meaning you will not curse anymore, because I've heard a lot of Christians, and they haven't stopped cursing. Mm. I have another story behind that, but I won't get into it. They shall speak with new tongues means exactly what it means. You're going to speak a language, a supernatural language, prompted by the Spirit. And we'll get to that in a moment as well. Okay, 
It's not cleaning up our speech. Look at, ver, uh, look at the next one. Point E. To, it's not to be forbidden. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Still, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, notice this. Covet to prophesy. Covet to prophesy. Covet means to desire earnestly to prophesy. So where's the emphasis? Prophecy, right? Covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. The emphasis being covet to prophesy because when you prophesy, you edify the whole church. If you speak in tongues in church, then it has to be interpreted. Otherwise, you don't edify the whole church. So he said covet to prophesy, but forbid not to speak in tongues. Okay. So now that that's clear, let's look at what it is. It's supernatural utterance by the Spirit of God in a language unknown to the individual and understood by the individual. Look at Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. You're speaking in a language, you're speaking a language, whether it be the language of men, angels, or of God. You don't understand. It could be even of men, but you don't understand it. You've never learned it. You've never been taught it, so it's not linguistic ability. It is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God in a person's life that they speak out a language that they've never learned and they don't understand. Well, how is that possible? We'll explain that later, maybe. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. This is after they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, all are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, Of course, mockers, these men are full of new wine, they're drunk. If you want to learn a new language, just get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now, they got drunk, they think, and so now they can speak all these languages. Did you, did you ever wonder why all that was in there? Why did they list all those different nations that were represented there and all those different tongues? To let us know that this was a sign to them. And they weren't preaching to them. They heard them speak the wonderful works of God. They were worshiping God. They were glorifying God in these people's language. And they knew they didn't know the language. So it was a sign. So there is, we'll get to that later, a sign tongue. It was a sign to them. And it caught their attention. Can you see that? So we see here, it is inspired utterance by the Spirit of God in a language that the person has nev- does not know, has never learned, and doesn't understand. They didn't even know what they were saying. Now, under B, the initial evidence of speaking with the, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit is what this is. 
It is the initial evidence that a person has been filled with or has been baptized with the Holy Spirit, has received the Spirit of God. Look at Acts 8 and verses 14. Let's start there through 21. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, who's the word of God? Only one of you knew who the word of God is. Who's the word of God? Jesus. Heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So who did they already receive? The word of God, Jesus. And now what are they coming down to pray for? To receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, if they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, aren't they saved? Yeah. Well, he, they haven't received the Holy Ghost. So then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying out of hands, the apostles had... Uh, hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased without mon with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this, the word matter there actually means speech or utterance. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. You have no part in his speech and no part in his utterance. So even though it doesn't actually say they heard him speak in tongues, we see the pattern already set. And that pattern reveals to us when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you speak with other tongues. And Simon saw something that took place. What did he see? That speech, that utterance. Okay. So we see here, two th this, important, this is important, two things. Number one, they were first saved. They were baptized in water. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were saved. They sent for Peter and John, and they were to come down and do what? Lay hands on them so they could, number two, receive the Holy Ghost. So we see receiving the Holy Ghost is a separate experience subsequent to salvation. And we need to know that. Because a lot of people think you've got all the Holy Ghost that there is. Well, you've got the Holy Ghost in a new birth, but you don't have the endowment with power from on high unless you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And I say you should have the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't say that, um, that he uh, spoke in tongues. You don't want to go down that path because he spoke in tongues more than anyone. And if he who said, I speak more in tongues more than you all, was speaking to the Corinthian church to speak more in tongues more than they did, he had to do a lot of speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. So we see it's all implied here. So Paul was filled with the Spirit. Paul spoke with other tongues. You know when he got saved? When he saw the Jesus on the Damascus Road. You talk about a change of heart? Amen. All right. Under point three, there are diversities of gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, notice this. Now there are, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So there are different manifestations of the gifts. 
Just like, for example, when, it, when we talk about healing, there are different manifestations of that gift. Do you know that one person actually, I would never do this, but he did. He would spit on people in the, in, in, when they came to the altar. How would you like that? Well, I guess if you got healed of some terrible disease, you wouldn't mind it at all. But you better know that's your gift if you're going to do something like that. There was one that would punch people in the stomach. And the thing is, the tumor that was there would dissolve. And they'd be healed. There are different manifestations of gifts when it comes to healing, but also when it comes to tongues. And there are three manifestations of tongues that we'll just quickly go over. Number one, sign tongues that we just talked about. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 22, sign tongues. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So prophecy would benefit the believer. Tongues benefits the non-believer when it's a sign tongue. All those people we talked about earlier, all those different nations and, and speeches and, and languages and all that, they heard them speak in, this, this, in their language. And so what happened to them? It was a sign to them. How can these people do this? And many people got saved as a result of it. But that's sign tongues. Not everybody has that manifestation of tongues. You could have it, but not necessarily. Okay, number two, ministry tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done decently in order, uh, done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Notice it's in the church. Ministry tongues is in the church. And the emphasis in the church is not on tongues. It's on prophecy. Prophesy in the church service. But if someone does speak in tongues, he has to interpret or have an interpreter there. If there's not an interpreter there, then you don't speak in tongues in, in a church service. Is what he's saying. So he's kind of putting order to it. But that's number two. So you've got sign tongues. You've got ministry tongues. And number three and this is the most important manifestation of the gift of tongues. It's devotional tongues. Now, notice here in uh, chapter 14. And look at uh, 1 through 5. Follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men the edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies his dog. <laughs> Who's he edify? So can you see the importance of this? He's edifying himself. He that prophesies edifies the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except, here's the exception, he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. 
So notice he's emphasizing the church. In the church, prophesy. If you're going to speak in tongues, interpret or have someone else interpret it. But tongues is a devotional gift for every believer so that we could edify ourselves, so that we could speak to God and edify ourselves or build ourselves up or strengthen ourselves. So when we get an understanding that there are three manifestations or diverse kinds of tongues, it brings clarity to us. So when Paul's speaking about this in 1 Corinthians 14, giving order, chapter 12 talks about the power of those gifts. Chapter 13 is love right in between, sandwiched in between these bookends is love, the better way. And then the last you have order. It's order. This is how it is to be done in the church. But sprinkled in that, he gives us a revelation of the devotional gift, the sign gift, and then also the gift of ministry in the church. So you have three different manifestations, and that's why some people get confused about tongues. So the primary use of tongues should be not in the church, but where? In our own devotional prayer time, in our, devotion, our lives and our devotion. So very briefly, very quickly, uh, let's see. Verses 18 and 19, did we cover that? I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. He was from the south. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So when he talks about in the church, what would he rather do? Prophesy. Unless you interpret. That's what he's emphasizing. All right. So... The benefit of tongues then, what's the benefit? Why this mysterious thing called tongues? Why should I give myself over to speaking in tongues devotionally? Well, number one, it's the initial evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But number two, it's a means of self-edification, building oneself up. Once again, look at verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, what does he do? edifies himself. He builds himself up. So once again, because of people put the focus or the emphasis on ministry tongues in church, they got away from devotional tongues, which is where it's supposed to be. It's more important to see to it that we pray in the Holy Ghost to build ourselves up, to strengthen ourselves spiritually. Also, it assists us in prayer. Look at Romans chapter 8. It assists us, it aids us in praying out the perfect will of God. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. It doesn't say we don't know how to pray. It says we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself or Himself makes intercession for us with what? Groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So now while a person is praying in the Spirit, praying with other tongues, he gives himself over completely and fully to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God moves upon his heart and he begins to pray out certain things that really represent the perfect will of God in a situation. And so now we see another benefit here. I am limited. You are limited. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but in the Holy Ghost, we know what to pray for because He knows the situation better than we do. We're just the conduit. We're yielding ourselves to Him. And then it activates the Spirit's ministry. Look at verses 14 and 15 in 1 Corinthians 14. And that's, this is the Amplified Bible. 
For I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. I don't know how it gets any clearer than that. You can pray in English, your own language, according to your understanding, or you can pray also out of your spirit in tongues as the Spirit of God moves upon your heart and you pray in the Holy Ghost. So we have two means by which we can pray. But because we don't know what to pray for as we are sometimes, we call upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit who will take hold together with us and help us pray out the perfect will of God from our spirit. Try it sometime. You know, you can't really think a whole lot when you're speaking. When you're talking in prayer in English, your thinking is, is being occupied. But you know, you could pray in the Holy Ghost and you can think something else. You realize that? Because your spirit's praying, not your brain. Try it. It works. And then finally, and there's much more than this, but just uh, to conclude this, it stimulates our faith. Look at Jude 20. There's only one chapter. Look at Jude 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? How important is faith? Building yourself up on your most holy faith. I like that, don't you? How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praying in the Holy Ghost helps us build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel 16, verse 17, In my name they shall speak with new tongues. If Jesus said, in my name, they shall speak with new tongues, and this is sometimes what I like to share with people, is the name of Jesus for today. In my name, you shall cast out devils. In my name, you shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents in my name. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you in my name or harm you. In my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those are five manifestations of things that take place in the name of Jesus. Have any of them been done away with? No. And neither has tongues. Because it's one of them. Let's all stand together before the Lord.